it's the Halloween one. It's the Halloween special here with your host with the most, TJ Bowser. And of course, the man who designed your nightmares, Mick Strawn. <laughs> Or what's known as Fat Jesus. Yes. <laughs> so for the Halloween special, we will be breaking down each other's top 10 favorite horror movies and three honorable mentions. So we'll be going over each and just describing briefly why we like the film and why it's in our top 10. And then we're going to also. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were reviewing Sound of Music. Oh, fuck. Oh, no, that's Dream Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrong show, Mick. <laughs> oh, wrong show. Wait, I thought that that was number nine on my horror, on my <laughs> horror favorite, favorite horror film list. And it should be. <laughs> that Jesus. And we will be hearing from other podcasters on the Project Louder Network with their top 10 as well. So let's hi, start. Steve. Oh, hi, Steve. Steve, uh, we'll. We'll hear from Steve a little bit later. Okay. So let's start with our first honorable mention. Mick, what is your first honorable mention? Do you have Oh, wait. Uh, I have to bring up my own list? God, you're such a dick. Uh, hold on. Why don't you do your... Oh, I have to do my own list. Oh, uh, I knew that this was going to be... Okay. okay, let's address the, the elephant in the room. You picked the house and the pines for your first honorable mention. <laughs> I did. You know what? You're going to have to say them, Beans, as I don't have them in front of me. Okay, I picked good. the house and the pines. And you know why? Because it's going to be that... That's a guarantee. That's the mixed-drawn guarantee. So it's going to be at that or above. We don't know about the rest of it yet because I haven't directed it yet. But I'm gonna. Fair enough. My honorable mention is 1987 Slumber Party Massacre. Two. Two. I okay. film. I think the first film definitely set the tone, but the second one definitely turns it up to 11 with having like the rockabilly killer with the drill on the end of the guitar. And then that whole chase sequence in the construction zone at the end was just radical. And nothing makes sense about the movie. And I honestly think that that's why I love it. I mean... <laughs> Lumber Party Massacre 2 from 1987. Fuck I, yeah. I, I, I don't know why I didn't see it. You're too busy making films in the 80s. I, I, that's right. I'm, I'm catching up, though, you know? Yes, I you finally are. got to see uh, 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 Slumber. <laughs> was a uh, uh, sleepaway camp? Yeah, sleepaway camp. Which which uh, I turned around and, and, and called it uh, Sixth Sense with a Dick. That's pretty spot on. Yeah, don't you think? I mean, doesn't get much better than that, right? The whole movie's a lead up to the ultimate twist at the end, which is a dick. Right. You're right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, <laughs> so you know, six cents with a dick, it's five words. Five words, a whole movie. <laughs> so your next honorable mention, I actually own and actually enjoy this movie, features Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton, which is brain dead. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's the film where they uh, cut off each other's faces or swap brains. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Peter Jackson's brain dead. I'm I'm talking about Peter Jackson's brain dead. Peter Jackson's brain dead is an also good one. So the gore fest that is the zombies and the lawnmower. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> the, the, the lawnmower scene. That, I, I actually know something about that film just from talking with Peter Jackson when I was down there in New Zealand. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I, I pointed out that they, they, they had to redo the floors. Because uh, they they originally made all the floors, they they of course they had to have platforms everywhere, mm -hmm. so they made a platform and they built the interior of the house on the platform, and uh, they didn't have any money, so they uh, used particle board and they just painted the floors, uh, and uh, because they used particle board, they they used so much blood 
that it soaked through the particle board and people started to just drop through the floors. <laughs> Soggy floor. <laughs> that'd be that'd be kind of distressing, you know, to 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 to, to be in. I, I I guess they they uh, they did part of the sequence with the lawnmower and extras kept disappearing. <laughs> Awesome. So they had to like they had to like redo the four over the weekend and then start it again. Oh, uh, so my next pick is the reason why you didn't see my last pick, and that is 1988's Nightmare on Elm Street four. Really? Yes. And the reason I like that film is one of the best Elm Street sequels. I think that it is what I call consider the MTV of the Nightmare sequel. Yes. Take, it is a completely special effects driven film. And through my work with you and about every other person that worked on that film, I have grown to love it and have the most utmost appreciation for that film. And that is my, my second honorable mention. I, I, I want to say something about that film. Um, okay. Uh, in general, and this is just my, my opinion of Nightmare on Elm Street three and four together is uh Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is a much better film overall. Yes. Right? It, it really is. I mean, you know, script-wise... Speaking of that, that is, since that is your next pick, by the way. That is my next pick. That is and, next. And, and I'm going to say that, that um, screenplay-wise, uh, just about everything about it, mm-hmm. it is a better film. It is a more serious film. It is more of a horror film. But <laughs> it's not nearly as much fun as Nightmare on Street. No, <laughs> and it's it's so fun, and I can cannot tell you. I have such vivid, like vivid, like pictures of me, like well, dreams, honestly, uh, well, memories. That's right. That's what I'm looking for. Memories. Yeah, memories. Yeah, memories. Yeah. Vivid memories of the Kincaid in his bedroom scene, and then the Alice in the uh, movie theater. I will forever have those in there because to me, them getting. Him getting sucked in the wall and her getting sucked in the fucking movie it, theater screen is just wild and it'll always be wild to me. Yeah, we sucked. Yeah, it, real falls, by the way. Yeah, real falls. Real, real falls. Actual falls. That's, it's really funny is we fucked with dra- gravity quite a bit on that film. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it, it's uh, it, it's such a weird film because especially considering that Nightmare on Street, th- Nightmare on Street 4 was kind of a journey. Yeah, I mean everything that was in it was a was a journey. You were you were always going from place to place, and what we did is we found so many interesting ways to get from place to place to place. Um, you, you know the entire sequence of uh, her going into the theater was it shot linear? Oh God, no! Oh no! God, no! 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 So you kind of just came up with ideas and then put them where they fit. We actually, yeah, we actually did. Okay. I mean, uh, okay. because part of it is because we didn't have a script. A lot of what we were doing, and, and you can see where it would work. I mean, you know, the idea, we were inside of the loop. We had already filmed part of the loop mm-hmm. uh, because the loop is involved in the uh, cockroach sequence and it's involved in a lot of other things. We were already involved in the loop when we filmed it before we got the end of the loop and uh, you know, before the truck hit nothing yeah, You, you know, it, it, as far as is filming wise, that was actually, we actually got out of the loop like three weeks after we were filming the loop. 
Oh, okay. Fair enough. Because we didn't even have an idea how we were going to kill it. <laughs> so I will talk about my last honorable mention, which is 1984's Toxic Avenger from Troma Films and Lloyd Kaufman. That there film introduced me to sleaze and B-movie greatness, and I've been hooked on Troma Films ever since. So that is why it is an honorable mention. But, of course, it's no cinematic masterpiece, which is why it's not in the top ten. But it's um, it's really an interesting film. I, I At the time, I remember that at the time we were um, – I can't even remember what I was filming. I was uh, filming uh, something across town, and, and we heard about this really, really sleazy film <laughs> and, and how they were filming and how cheap they were <laughs> – stuff and it was like it was you mean there's a, it was one of those things where you're going you mean there's somebody out there that's working that's cheaper than we are <laughs> that kind of thing you're working a break at two electric boogaloo yeah that's right i was i probably was i was going man there's somebody i i i i i honestly have to tell you i remember i had a set dresser on uh uh breaking two electric boogaloo and and I had just gone on, you know, as construction coordinator, but uh, but had had really gotten roped into a lot of other parts of it as, as things went on. I remember going down the road at like ninety miles an hour in her little rabbit, you know, just like you know, going down right hand lanes and you know, then zipping over and getting on the safety lane in the freeway, and she, she was absolutely nuts. And and she she was going, I can't believe that I got on this three million dollar film. <laughs> Another, I was like, uh, really? <laughs> this is a big film? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> so before we get on to our top 10 picks, I am going to play two messages from people over at Project Louder. First is Scuba Steve from the podcast Somewhat Supernatural. I will turn that up here and hit play. Hey guys, what's up? Scuba Steve here with my top 10 favorite horror movies. Poltergeist 2, love that one. Maximum Overdrive, Return of the Living Dead, Friday the 13th, Part 4, Halloween, Part 1, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Event Horizon, because I don't care what you say, that's a horror movie, Slither, Feast, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and a couple of honorable mentions here, uh, Life Force, which was one of my all-time favorite movies back in the day when I was a kid, uh, Critters, and Full Cheese Zombie. Love that movie, but not enough to put it in my top 10. So, <laughs> see you guys later. That's, That's a, a good solid top 10. Was. I liked it. So the next is Cameron Lee from the Big Bad Beetle Bros podcast. Okay. Hey guys, Cam here with the Big Bad Beetle Bros coming at you with my top 10 Halloween horror movies. Uh, so we'll start from the bottom of the list. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, it's still my top 10. So they're all important. Um, uh, starting from the bottom with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Absolutely. First monster movies I remember watching with my dad. Great so one. I put it on the list. Uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Another classic. I've got the poster hanging in my room. It's got to go on the list. Uh, Eight Legged Freaks. I've got Ooh. the VHS tape. I've been playing it since I was a kid. It's a weird giant spider movie. Uh, if you guys are into kaiju and weird uh, like B movies with some A-list actors, it's awesome. Uh, Wolfman, the twenty twenty the twenty ten remake of Wolfman. Um, I actually really enjoy that movie. I have two different copies of it on uh, DVD. 
And uh, yeah, I watch it uh, multiple times a year and probably two or three times every October. I love it. Uh, and right up with that, number six, Dracula Untold. It's another uh, remake that people weren't super fond of. It was definitely supposed to launch a, uh, a dark universe type thing for for Universal again, kind of like The Mummy. Um, it's, in my opinion, much better than The Mummy and could have done a better job of launching that universe. But uh, just like The Mummy, it didn't work. Uh, number five, Sleepy Hollow. I just I love the Headless Horseman story, and I think that's probably the best iteration of it. Uh, number four, Lost Boys. Uh, it's a classic. It's before my time, but I grew up watching it with my brother-in-law and my siblings, and I just, yeah, I can't get enough of it. I even like the two sequels. I think they're all good. Uh, number three, Invisible Man, the original Invisible Man. Yes. I haven't seen the new one yet. Yes. I'm sure it's good, but it doesn't feel Orwellian enough. I don't know. It it. It doesn't uh, doesn't hit that uh, that mark. I've got probably four copies now of the book. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just love that story. And I, I love the visuals of the original movie. I think it was kind of a landmark yes. uh, groundbreaking film. Yes. Uh, number two, the original Wolfman, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. I just saw it in an outdoor theater uh, with a double feature with American Werewolf in London a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah. I can't get enough of that movie and uh, Lon Chaney Jr.'s representation of the Wolfman. It's a classic and it it set the bar for werewolf cinema. Uh, number one, my top spot is Monster Squad. If you guys haven't seen Monster Squad, it is absolutely <laughs> killer. It's the Goonies meet Universal Monsters. It's got Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, a mummy. Uh, yeah, it's it's killer. Uh, it's it's a great monster romp and uh, yeah it's super fun it's it's good enough to be a, a spooky horror movie around halloween but also still fun enough for like the whole family to enjoy uh and then my three honorable mentions these aren't in any particular order but the omega man uh it's oh, yeah. one of it's yes. a, it came out in like 71 yes. and it's yes. a uh retelling of um i am legend uh the story that most people probably know from the i am legend movie but uh, i love it and uh, mm -hmm. I enjoy the Omega Man more than I do the the modern Will Smith take on it. Is that Vincent Price um, much better? Mark Soldiers, yeah. another great werewolf flick. It's a little, it's got a little bit of a different spin on it. Um, I've just always gotten a kick out of it. It's a, uh, it's a fun, a uh, little bit more actiony horror uh, werewolf movie. And Thirty Days of Night. Uh, ah, yes. I put Thirty Days of Night and Dog Soldiers. Those are kind of like in that same category of a Thirty Days of Night is to vampires what dog soldiers as to werewolves in my opinion anyway i know they're not on par production wise and stuff but that's my top 10 and my three honorable mentions for uh my beetle bro horror movie recommendations so hope you guys enjoy hope you guys have a happy halloween and stay safe out there okay that was a rocking list yeah yep oh. okay yep i'm just making sure uh everybody else sent their stuff in okay so Let's move on to your top 10 pick. And that is Friday the 13th from 1980. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, I, I love the first one. Without that film, you couldn't have made yours. Well, yeah, no, I, I, that's very true. And, and the first one, the first one is just a scrappy little film, you know? Yes. And, and, and it, it ain't nothing but truth. It's, uh, it, 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 it kills people. It kills them dead, um, and, and it's got that spooky feeling that that uh, 
that uh, that all that to me says Friday the Thirteenth. You know, yep, absolutely. It's just I loved it. Mike also loved the. I, I I loved the. You know, you had so many opportunities for misdirection. You had the creepy driver of the truck. You had the creepy owner of the store. You had so many creepy people that you got to before you actually got to the killer. You know. It was uh, the true Americanization of that film we watched last year, Deep Red. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. My top 10 pick is 1993's Return of the Living Dead 3 from director Brian Usna. Right. That film I remember watching as a child and being absolutely terrified. It has some incredible gore effects. The setting inside the weird like shipping container army base is just absolutely awesome. It has the hottest zombie girl in history. <laughs> and here's the zombie nipples and you don't get that in any other film so the number 10 pick is return of the living dead three so mick your number nine one is dave made a maze dave made a maze and and, and i know that this is a uh you're gonna find that i have a sense of humor yes you know if you know me you might find that i do have a sense of humor and yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, the thing is, is uh, Dave made a maze has a sense of humor. Um, if you've never seen somebody bleed yarn before, if you've never seen a Muppet get killed, then you need to see Dave made a maze. Yes. Uh, also scary minotaurs. Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So my number nine. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Attack yeah. Origami. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Head on over to projectlouder.net and see our interview with the director and production designer of Dave Made Amazing. One of our fun, one of our funnest interviews, by all yep. means. Yes. My number nine pick is 1987 Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2. And I, I think that you might find that my that's on my list. I just saw that the other day. Yeah. That's actually your number eight. That's my number eight. You know, yeah. we're it's 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 right here, and and so we're just almost in the same place with the same film. Now, um, anybody who knows me, I that's one of the films that I collect props from. That film was one of my the last films I watched with my grandmother before she passed, and it honestly just has a special place in my heart. It fuses some intense gore, some intense horror with some insane comedy. And it is oh, this absolutely. perfect balance. It there's, is, the, there, there, oh. there's a movement to it that that the first one doesn't have. That's it, it's, it's it's a fight train of fun. It, it is. It's it's just there. There's I I know this is going to sound really weird, but there I always have in my mind uh, that that room that one <laughs> that one living room. When absolutely everything is rocking, mm -hmm. is everything is alive in this room. The and fucking gear, and the way that everything moves is in the gear is yes. just so out there. I mean, they, they actually did a. It, it isn't like everything's moving. It's like everything's moving with this particular yes, particular snap, and I just love it. I, I just absolutely. Uh, I, I I plan on doing uh, several homages, yes, to that film in my film. So my number eight pick is 1985's Demons from Lumberto Bava. Mick, have you ever seen this? Have not seen Demons. 
So I, I've seen a lot of bits and pieces of it. That film was introduced to me when we were doing it on Goran Moore uh, last two years ago, actually right. now. That's crazy to say that. And I fell in love with the movie. It has a heavy metal score. It's badass. It's gore left and right. It's pretty much a group of people trapped inside of a movie theater with a, with a group of demons that slowly infect everyone. The movie ends with air raid playing and a fucking helicopter crashes down through the fucking uh, top of the movie theater and a dude's riding a chain, like a dirt bike through the fucking uh, movie theater with a Japanese samurai sword cutting off people's fucking heads. And it's just nuts. So 1985 <laughs> Demons is my number eight pick for all the fucking right reasons, baby. I had to see that. I had to see that. <laughs> no, nothing like a guy, you know, uh, chopping off everybody, uh, everybody's, uh, you know. On a dirt bike heads on a dirt bike because in a movie theater in a movie theater because while well, a helicopter crashing to the ceiling <laughs> what are helicopters for right <laughs> so your number seven pick just says dracula yes and this is the original dracula <laughs> or this is not the original original dracula no because you're the original 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 is on your list is on my list also yes. um but the original dracula um I mean, you, you know, and the thing is, is there are some great ways to determine what what you like about that film, because mm -hmm. they made a version of it, a Spanish version of it at night at the oh, same time. That's right. Because of the cardboard scene. That's right. Oh. They, were, <laughs> they were shooting at night and I have seen both movies. And I have to say that the, the Spanish is better. I hear you. I hear. Well, here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. It's possibly better directed, but it doesn't have Lon Chaney. It, it doesn't have Bella Lugosi, and oh, okay. Bella Lugosi is, to all intents and purposes, is is Dracula. I mean, yes, he, I agree. He, I agree. I, I mean, you know, the Spanish guy just didn't have the same. Snap, charm. Uh, how do you want to say? I, I I don't know what it, what it was Bella Lugosi had, but but you know it it made it. The, he had it. Damn it! That's right. It it you know. It, it, and the funny thing about it is he hardly even spoke English at the time. Mm. So it it is very cool. I haven't seen that film in years. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. You, you you ought to see it because it is a lot better than you. Th it's a lot better than you think. You know the the really odd thing though is if you watch the Spanish version, mm -hmm. the Spanish version, <laughs> there there are uh, there is an entire sequence that's shortened in the uh, American version. And by the way, the Spanish version is like a half an hour longer than the American. Version. Oh boy. Oh man, it just goes on and on and on and on. I, I tell you, it gets pretty damn long. But in the beginning, they do this the the version of all the creatures that came with him that are getting out of their coffins, right? <laughs> the spider getting out of his coffin is so far over the top. You know, it's just <laughs> like really, really, we really went that far to actually watch the spider get completely out of the coffin. And and they they made the trap the coffin close as he got out and everything and he walks away and it's tarantula and you're like, man that it's like a good 
20, 25 seconds of screen time. You're like, wow, that is indulgent. <laughs> so my number seven pick is Friday the 13th, part six from 1986 from director Tom McLaughlin. Who Tom we, McLaughlin. So we've had, so, we've had on the show you, twice now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is not Adams. A- Adams was later on, right? Adams was 10. Nine, nine, right. So this isn't the one that stole the hidden. No, that's not even on my list. I love yeah. that film, and it holds a special place in my heart. But uh, there's, have, there's films out there. Yeah, I've seen six, but I I, I can't remember it that much. You know, I think six is just great because for one, the Alice Cooper connection, his music that plays throughout the whole way. I mean, the crazy Frankenstein uh, rebirth scene when Tommy gets all pissed off and stabs the. Uh, Fence posts through his chest and gets hit with lightning, bringing Jason back, thus causing the rest of the movies to happen. Uh, the RV scene, that's such iconic. I mean, Jason with utility belt. Fuck yeah. The movie's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> your number six pick. Mm. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which we've already talked about. There you go. I mean, enough said. I'm surprised you didn't pick Witchboard. I didn't pick what? Witchboard, the movie you can't remember making. <laughs> which what? Which, 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 which one? <laughs> Love it. Okay, so moving on to my number six pick, which would be 1994's The Crow from director Alex Proyas. Now, that is direct. that is based on my favorite graphic novel, The Crow by James O'Barr. That movie, even though riddled with filming complications, including the death of the lead actor, Brandon Lee, God rest his soul, I think the film is fantastic. And it is a film that has stuck with me since I first seen it as a little lad. And I'd have to say that, fuck yeah, The Crow, man, and all of its sequels. Love it. I've not had a chance to see it. Uh, I'll get to it eventually someday. Yes. Very good film. So your number... Five. Actually, before we go to number five, let's, let's play two more. Uh, let's do that. So first up, we have Brandon Staudenheimer, which is a young man that you help coach over at Box Office Banter. So here we go. What's up, everybody? It's Brandon from Box Office Banner, and I'm here, of course, to give you my top 10 horror movies with three honorable mentions. I might, I gotta say, it might not be a perfect list because I kind of threw this together at a family reunion. I thought I was going to have to have this in the next few days. I'm pushing for time here, but I'm pretty sure this is at least close to accurate. Number one, oh, we're going to start with the honorable mentions. Let's go. We got, let's build that anticipation. Number 13 for me would be Midsommar, a new movie. I really just fell in love with it. And everything Ari Aster's done so far has been perfection to me. Midsummer. Number 12, the classic Halloween. How can you leave it off a list? Number 11, Alien. Now, a lot of people love Aliens more. I like the scariness of Alien more than the sequel. Absolutely. The actual official top 10 and breaking out of them honorable mentions. We have another Carpenter classic, The Thing, at number 10. Then at number nine, we have the very underrated The Faculty. I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie, and I think it helps boost it into the top 10, if I'm being honest. Number eight, we have The People Under the Stairs. 
very, very <laughs> underrated, wacky Carpenter flick that gets everything. It milks everything it can get out of that premise. Number seven, we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, a classic. You can't leave it off. I mean, the gritty feel, despite if you think it's a true story or not, which I'm here to tell you it isn't, it feels like a true story when you're watching it. Six, we have The Shining. I mean, come on, dude. Jack Nicholson, the performance. Yeah. Jesus. I saw Number a close-up of it. The top five here, people. We have The Devil's Rejects. And my God, dude, this movie, I used to be the biggest Rob Zombie defender on the planet. I can't really defend him anymore, if I'm being honest. But The Devil's Rejects is a big reason for that. Absolutely love that movie and the characters of Otis, Baby, and, of course, Captain Spaulding, R.I.P. to Sid Haig. Number four, we got a remake here, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Still the most chilling theater experience I've ever had. I love it. Number three, we kind of have a slant movie. It's kind of a crime thriller as well. Uh, seven, I got to throw it in there because I adore the movie yeah. so much, but it's definitely got creepy, scary, atmospheric vibes in it. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, kill it, man. And number two, we got the sci-fi horror going with Arnold Schwarzenegger, dude. Predator and number one, the holies to holies Jaws. Still won't go in the water because of that one. Hope this was <laughs> beneficial and good for you guys. I can't wait to hear everybody else's. Love y'all and have a good episode of Rabbit Hole. Peace. <laughs> he had a very uh, adventure kind of leaning to his uh, list. Yes. So I think next is our friend Brandon Lane from Ranch from the Black Lodge. Oh, here we go. So uh, let's see. Oh, my. Now I remember. He sent his in a special way. Are you ready? Yeah. Do you have to work? Hey, everyone. This is Brandon from the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast using a surrogate robot voice to list off my top 10 favorite horror films for our good buddies at Rabbit Hole. Oh, I'm assuming you're wondering why I sound like this. Yes. The truth is I am a very important man with several adult responsibilities that are presently preventing me from recording proper audio. (laughs) If you find my synthetic dictum unpleasing to your ears, you have my sincerest apologies. Just kidding, you can kiss a dog's teddy for all I care. Teddy for all I care. Freddy for all I care. Damn autocorrect. You can kiss a dog's titty for all I care. What we talking about again? Oh yeah, my top ten. Um, damn, I'm running out of time. How about just my top three? Coming in at number three, we have the 1980 slasher tour de force known as Friday the 13th. Gotta love monoloid children with mommy issues. Coming in at number two, we have the Stephen King penned and Brian De Palma directed Carrie. I mean, who doesn't love crazy religious people with psychic powers? And last, but certainly not least, my all-time favorite film is Ghostbusters. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. Ghostbusters isn't a horror film, but fuck sure. it. It's my right. list and Gorney Weaver gives me the chub, so there you have it. <laughs> For the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast, this is the synthetic robot voice of Brandon A. Lane signing off. I just knew that guy was a fucking robot. <laughs> I tell you, Jesus, what a mess. Oh. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks a lot. <laughs> That's great. So, Mick, your number five pick. Yes. Okay. got to bring yours back up here. See, this is a lot more fun than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> this, is, this is a lot more fun. So your number five pick is Nosferatu. Oh, now that's a solid one. That's- now, if somebody held a gun to your head and said, Mick, how do you spell that? You would not survive. N-O-S-F-E-R-A-T-O. 
I thought it was you. T you. <laughs> I don't fucking know, but we referenced earlier the very first Dracula film, Nosferatu. Why is it so great, Nick? It's, it's, I got to tell you, (laughs) there's a secret to this, is you get the 1990s soundtrack, okay, okay, which is electronic, and then you, uh, and it's a silent film, and what you do is you listen to it at twice the speed, Right. Okay. And you, and you just and you just watch it. And it's so atmospheric. Uh the thing is is I don't think that we've gotten anywhere near as atmospheric as this particular German expressionism uh that 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 this film I I, I mean, you know, other than Frankenstein uh and some of the black and white ones out of the universal you, you know, it's it, it Part of the advantage is, is uh, doing it in black and white mm-hmm. uh, has has a but but not only black and white but the black and white film with the um, with that particular glow to it yes that, that the early films had because they were taken off of nitrate uh, it's just something about it that uh, that that's just super creepy and there's there's always uh, there's also another film that you ought to check out uh, I think it's called the the carriage okay uh and it's about the uh a carriage that uh that uh the driver of the carriage uh takes the dead uh down to uh down to hell and it is the coolest black and white film uh black and white uh no sound film ever and i would put those two carriage from 1921 yeah, that's it. That's it. It is so cool. And and I would put that together with Nosferatu as being a couple of the most um atmospheric atmos- atmospherically yeah. interesting and, and and horrifying films. Just they just can't be beat. And and both of them uh absolutely uh are are better if you speed them up. Okay, so my number five pick is Nightbreed from 1990, director Clive Barker. Uh, what can I say? I love the books. Uh, it's based after the Cabal book, and I've seen the, both directors in the Cabal cut of this film. I've actually never seen the theatrical cut, so I don't know what all the bitching's about. This is one of my favorite films. Boone and Decker are some of the most memorable characters from the 80s. Decker's a fucking sadistic serial killer, and he who, is dead. Who is it? Simple. Uh, he, he's played by David Cronenberg. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Then, then Moon's awesome. Uh, Midian is fucking sweet. All the special effects are gnarly. And Clive Barker is just one of those all-time greats when it comes to writing spooky shit. So, mm-hmm. yes. Mick, your number four pick is What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows. Come on. Come on. I've no, never seen that movie. You're not going to fight me on this one. This is amazing. This is an amazing film. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's funny as hell. I mean, uh-huh. but it, it, it's also really creepy and the effects are really good and they're very practical based. And um, it, it, it's about a couple. It, it's about a group of um, of roommates in modern day New Zealand. Um, oh, Tony Watiti. You love yeah, his work. I love his work. Right. Uh, 
it, it's about a couple of roommates and 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 you know it's getting along as a latter day uh, a vampire uh, and it's a group of vampires and and you know there there's <laughs> they have a, of course a rivalry with the uh, local werewolves and um as as one does as one does and, and you know they've got groupies and they've got you know uh uh wannabe vampires and you know and um hilarity ensues yeah but uh but the greatest <laughs> the greatest thing is is what he does is especially in every time he's opening a door you gotta like you got to be like ready to be completely creeped out because some of the some of the times when he when he opens the door, you just go, "Whoa, what was that?" <laughs> and you'll understand as soon as you see the film. So, going from your vampires, let's go to my number four pick with vampires: The Lost Boys from nineteen eighty-seven, oh. Joel Schumacher's classic. Santa Carla took me to a place and made me want to be a vampire. Made vampires cool as shit and. I fuck. I just love it. Join us, Michael. Ah, uh, yeah. It, it 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 is true. It 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 was a it, it was a great film. I I think it's uh overexposed a mm. little bit. You know, it's uh it, it seems to be shorthand for a, a particular expression of vampirism, and uh, especially the idea of the brood. You know, one thing that they did that they did really well on that was the idea of a brood of vampires. Yes. And, and um, uh, I, I would say that there was one that, that I think goes with the brood concept and might do it a little bit better is called near dark, but that's a, that's a discussion for another time. And that is a discussion that has had a lot. And that is a 1987's near dark featuring Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton. Just yeah, he <laughs> plays a gnarly fucking vampire. That is coming up on an upcoming episode of the Gormore podcast within the next two months. So, Peter. oh, then have have me on, okay? Because mm-hmm. I'm a near dark, I am a, a near dark uh, 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 advocate for sure. Awesome. So, my number four pick is oh, we already, we just talked about your number three pick. Yeah. So your number three pick is the original Invisible Man. The original Invisible Man, and I might say that that has come up before on somebody else's list. It has. Um, yeah. I, I I have to go for it for it, for its um, <laughs> brooding and and still with an incredible sense of humor. The mm-hmm. the idea of the Invisible Man when he is obviously skipping down the road, <laughs> and they and they somehow pull it off in the way that he in 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 what he's saying and the music with it and and how they do the footsteps as he's skipping down the road is got to be one of the most hilarious things that i've seen out of the 30s period you know 30s 40s uh, original films it it is it's got humor it's got uh it's got drama but but uh i i, I might add that the director is the same director who did Frankenstein. Ah. And, and he brings in a lot of the elements uh, of Frankenstein. And I might say that he got his beginning as a production designer. And it's very easy to see. I was so wrong about the Omega Man. You, uh, it wasn't Vincent Price. Wasn't he in a Clint, movie? Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, it that Richard Ch- Matheson. Ch- what? 
Richard yeah, Math. Who was the who was the guy? Richard Matheson was the guy in Omega Man. I don't know what he goes what? by them. Yeah. Omega oh, Man. I thought it was uh I am legend. It was based after the book. What year was it? Nineteen seventy one. Oh, that's screenplay. Oh, I'm stupid. I'm not reading it. Yeah. No, it was uh, uh, the cleft chin. Charles Heston. Charles Heston. Right, right. 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 Why did I keep thinking it was Vincent Price? God, I was I, I, I was thinking to myself, man, that's a different film than I saw. Yeah. <laughs> I need to read this stuff. That better. is a great that is a really great film. It is. I, it is. It, and, you know, I have to say that I was never a fan of Charles Heston's at all. And yet, in that film, he completely convinced me. He really did. It's a good film. End of days. Uh, so, my number three pick is 1980s Maniac from William Lustig featuring Joe Spinell. And this film is haunting. It's terrifying. And Joe Spinell is a fucking literal maniac. There what? is such... Have you, you ever seen it? I have not seen it. Where is? Where was it made? Uh, New York. Oh, so it's a, it's from another country. Uh, no, this is uh, William yeah. Lustig, Tom Savini on special effects. Oh, New it's, York. It's, yeah, it's yeah. another country. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So this movie's intense. That's all I can really say is it's absolutely intense. The gore, the brutality of the kills, the storyline, and then for it to end. It, okay, let me. Tom Savini had a dream in his early on in his career where he would dream that his creations would come to life and uh, kill him. the movie ends with the killer's creations coming to life and killing him. And that was way of Tom Savini's getting over that nightmare. So uh, the, the ending of that movie so fucking crazy because it's like a nightmare and it's just awesome. It's, it's so, it, you mean it's, it's like a nightmare. It's like a nightmare. Go figure. <laughs> So, moving on to number two picks. Mick, your second pick is Young Frankenstein from Mel Brooks. <laughs> yeah, there's a ringer for you. No, no, no. Here, here's, the, here's the weird thing about Young Frankenstein. Mel Brooks took uh, a whole bunch of the uh, of pieces out of uh, maybe the first three or four versions of Frankenstein and put, yes. them, put them together Almost word for word. And, and then roll them in the hay. Yeah, and definitely visually the same, right? Yes. Absolutely the same. In fact, a lot of the same devices. Uh, uh, and and he made it a comedy, and it is absolutely hilarious. Um, uh, yes. Uh, the dancing Rob- number at the end. Uh, <laughs> the, the small jokes. Like whenever she's going up the uh, steps and uh, Igor's just staring at her ass the whole time. Right, right. The the the, the, uh, the, the, the almost dead, near dead. <laughs> I ain't got nobody. Yeah, it's <laughs> like so, the 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 funny thing. You, you know that thing when he when Igor goes walk like me and then he had and then he. You know, yes. bends over and stoops and uses this little tiny uh, 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 walking stick to walk with, and then hands it to mm-hmm. uh, 
Frankenstein, yeah, uh, Mel, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, I can't think of it. Gene Wilder and, and to, your long, walk like me, right? And and the funny thing is, is that scene of of the guy walking with the little tiny uh, with the little tiny cane, cane is actually in one of the Frankenstein's. This guy walks across the scene. And he's got this little tiny ridiculous cane, and it's because he's bent over and crippled, uh, and, and so he's got this. Oh man, I, I got to tell you, there's so many things that are just stolen right out of the original movies. It's hilarious. So my number two pick is 1978's Dawn of the Dead, the George A. Romero classic. It, it is oh everything about that movie. Now people bitch and complain that oh it's a slow burn. That oh, it's not it's the zombies move too fast, and that's only because they remade it. You have something to compare it to. This right. movie set the tone for any zombie movie after it. I mean, none of the Living Dead introduced you to George Romero's flavor. This perfected it. This movie is fantastic. Not only because does it have geographic closeness to me, but this film made me love the zombie genre as a whole. And it holds up today, and I can't wait for that sweet, sweet, sweet 4K release so I can enjoy this film the way it was meant to. Which one was in the mall? That's this one. That's this one. Oh, that's just terrific. Yeah. It was it was just such a good update of the original. And I love the uh, the sliding down the escalator scene. <laughs> love it. <laughs> so fun. So before we give our number one picks for our top horror movies, we will listen to our final two call-ins. And this one is from a familiar, very, very familiar guy. Goes by the name of Graham Leneve Painter. Oh, God, that guy? That guy again. Again? Said, uh, Rants from the Black Lodge. I just got to find where he sent this. Nubbins, that's his name. Graham's top 10. Here we go. Hello, Mick and TJ. Happy Halloween. It's Graham here. Um, I'm just going to reel off my list for you. I'm guessing a lot of these top tens are going to feature similar titles, so uh, I've tried to include a couple of interesting choices amongst the usual suspects. So here we go. Top ten. Number ten, Hellraiser, the British classic about a gooey skeleton in a sluts attic. Number nine, The Exorcist 3. Some say as good as the first, oh, even with like their scene masturbation. Number eight, House. Not the medical drama, but the 1986 Haunted House flick starring everyone's great hero, William Cat. I worked on it. Number seven, Halloween. Yes, Michael Myers. Like Santa and DJ Qualls, he only comes out once a year. Number six, another British classic, An American Wolf in London. A movie oh. most people can empathize with concerning a cursed being who turns into a crazy monster for a week every single month. I remember that one. Number five, Peter Jackson's greatest movie. No, not the films with the greasy ring. It's 1996's The Frighteners. Number four, The Evil Dead. The first and most believable, because who hasn't wanted to kill their girlfriend after a couple of days in close proximity? <laughs> Number three, Creepshow. Perfect Halloween viewing that proves the best horror movies can still be made with a cast of senior citizens and be better than the usual teenager-filled fright flicks. Number two, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because... Who doesn't need another reason to be scared of Texas? And number one, <laughs> ghoulies. Yes. <laughs> me, because I knew what I was going to say. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about ghoulies, the new podcast, Ghoulies Unflushed, is available to download right now. Oh, uh, honorable mentions. I haven't written anything down. Uh, I don't know. Uh, how many? Three. Uh, Motel Hell, Ravenous, and what else do I like? 
1974's Vampires. There's tits. So to sum up, uh, Ghoulies is great. I'm a twat. Happy Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) You got even with it, says son of a bitch. (laughs) Shameless plug. (sighs) So last. Shameless as you can get right there. But certainly not least, the boys from Comics and Kaijus wanted their voice heard. So here's Cameron Miller from Comics and Kaijus. Hello, my name is Cameron Miller, and here's the list for my top 10 favorite horror films. Number one is John Carpenter's The Thing. Number two, Alien from 1979. Number three, Halloween from 1978. Number four, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Number five, Fright Night. Number six, Scream. Number seven, Gojira. Number eight, Dracula from 1931. Yes. Number nine, Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. Number 10, Frankenstein from 1931. Some honorable mentions include King Kong from 1933, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and Return of the Living Dead. I like that. So I want to personally thank every single one of the podcasts and podcasters that called in to help contribute to this very special episode. So without further ado, Mick, what's your number one pick? Uh, it is the ring. Oh, it is the ring. There we go. Ah, I know, I know, I know. You know what? Um, I, I have this, uh, this feeling that, um, I've been telling people how, how to construct their monsters, uh, for most, most of my career. Right. Yes. And all of a sudden somebody did it. Exactly the way that I said needed it needed to be done, and that creature of the girl coming out of the well mm-hmm. was the best reveal ever. To me, it rates up. It, it almost rates up. It rates up there as far as being utterly terrifying with uh, the jaw of the alien coming coming out mm-hmm. of the dark. But what it did, I kept telling people, I said, you have to not see the monster as much as possible. You have to have something so ethereal out of the monster that it that you get over the fact that it's a, a rubber suit or actually just a human. And the movement, and you have to remember, here's the thing. Almost everybody since the ring, mm-hmm. at least half of the films have duplicated the movement of of that. Have you watched the Japanese films that those derived from the Ringu series? I have not nearly as that nearly not as good as the American version. I think that we just got a really cool Ringu box set from Japan that includes all the films and the prequel. Have you seen them? I haven't. I just heard that. I did see reviews and I heard they're fantastic to watch if you get the box set. They're very they are very good overall. Um, but if you're in the J horror, if you're in the J horror and right. that's a whole other flavor, right. But, but I, but I have seen the Japanese version of the same film mm-hmm. and okay. I have to say it is this close to being a frame by frame duplicate of a film I have ever seen in my life. But, uh, but still the Americans did it better in this particular case. Uh, mm-hmm. the optic, the, the, uh, optical, uh, 
effect of, of being fast and slow at the same time and then crawling out of the wall and then crawling out of the TV yeah. and, and the movement ha- has been copied by so many people since. I just can't even tell you. That's the standard demon movement now. It is now, mm-hmm. but, but it wasn't then. That That's the thing that everybody did. Everybody laughs at me when I say that, when I say, yeah, you know where this, you know where every standard yeah, demon no movement was like that prior to 2006. So, right. It, they all came from that film. <laughs> so, yeah. my number one pick. Let's go. 1987's Hellraiser. Graham mentioned it up higher on his list. Now, a little backstory. It is a film that I avoided for most of my life watching because for some reason I thought it was super scary, super duper scary. So, I finally watched it and I fell in love with the film. And it's one of those films where, like Nightmare on Elm Street 4, I got the chance and the opportunity to meet everybody, everybody. to talk to people about it. And it was just made me have this intense appreciation for it. And owning the Hellbound Heart, talking to Clive Barker, talking to all the Cenobites. That film, one of my favorite, if not my favorite horror film of all time. Well, you know, I I almost have to get uh, to... uh, I have a feeling that to make it to appreciate that film because I've seen it. And <laughs> all I have to say is um, I used to own a house. that had one of those rooms and um, it was just, just, you know, just a problem room. I mean, I think I had a demon in it. Just sa- same as that one, but uh, just cause you have a really, really bad room in, in your house doesn't mean you just couldn't send somebody in and have it repainted. Or <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, you know, you know, it, it, there, there is a certain aspect uh, to me that I, I would say, you know what, honey, um, we either need to lock off that room upstairs or we need to move. Yes, fair enough. Quit and playing with the fucking box. That helps, too. That's well, that's that's just it. I mean, you know, it's, it's like it, here's, here's what I'm saying is all their problems came from one room in the house, it's you it, know, yeah. right? You know, it's like it's like, well, what you know, I keep telling you just stay out of that fucking room. God damn it. <laughs> and we wouldn't have this problem. Where did you get that box? You got that box in the room, didn't you? You stupid bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, listen, you know, all I'm saying is if I walked into a room and I saw that any one of those people, I would go, oh, God damn, I got to start spraying for these guys. I mean, <laughs> uh, what, what are these guys, contractors or something? Jesus. Repellent coming soon to Project right. <laughs> There's a powder for that, isn't there? You can just spray it around a little bit and, you know, close the room for about a month. The smell will go away eventually. <laughs> okay, so that concludes our top 10 and honorable mentions for the Halloween special of 2020, the quarantine special. Call this it if you This has been so much more fun than I thought it would be. Yes, same here, man. This is uh, definitely it's, something we'll have to do next year for the Halloween no, special. We're gonna have, this is this is gonna this, this is gonna have to happen again. Yes, for sure. Ugh. So until next week, when we talk to Dario Russo from Italian Spider-Man, this is your host with the most, TJ Bowser, signing off. Thanks, guys. Bye.